Please stand for the reading of God's word. <coughs> reading again, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was looking to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will rise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard her music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and treated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf. For him, And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. You may be seated. If we look at the scriptures here today, this is one that, that we all know and well. This is one of the, the parables I think we consider fun to hear about in this sense. It's taught many times throughout your life in Sunday schools and, and various things like that, and your BBSs. But I want us to understand the very seriousness of this parable and what Jesus is teaching us here. For that, we need to understand the, the original crowd, the, the people who he was talking to. This wasn't just a message for the disciples. who would have been a large gathering, and, and on one side you would have had what we affectionately know as the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the people that were looked down on in society, the people that... Uh, Pharisees were not allowed to come into the temple for their sinfulness. And of course, on the other side, you had your, your Pharisees, your Sadducees, your priests, the, the, the people that were in control of the temple. And in the middle of this, Jesus gives this beautiful parable of what, what the Father is like. I, I want to tell us, all fathers, that we should strive to be like this Father, because this is not just any Father that Jesus is picturing. He is picturing His own Father. Understand that clearly. This is not you know, Jesus retelling a, a story, but Jesus is telling what the Father in Heaven is like and what we are like. And so as we, we look into it right away, we see this, this younger son notices that the Father is approachable. Only in Christianity will you find God approachable. Amen. In all other religions, He is beyond reproach. You cannot 
simply walk up to him. It would mean certain death to approach God. They will all tell you you cannot have a personal relationship with God. That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a loving Father who you can approach. You know, this, the one we affectionately know as the prodigal son is, is one who comes up and he says, Father, I imagine him as kind of a, it's not a you know, teenager, about 17 years old, something like that, thinks he knows, knows it all and he doesn't want to have his father's business. He doesn't want to, to go into to being a shepherd like his father was. So he said, Father, you know, give me what is due to me. Understand how arrogant this is. This should not, this is the second born son. You know, the primary inheritance is going to go to the firstborn. You know, since there's two sons, the firstborn son will get two-thirds of all that the father has when he passes away. The arrogance is astounding when you think the son is coming and saying, Father, I don't want to wait till I'm old to get what you owe me. I want it now so I can go and enjoy life the way I want to. I don't want to work hard as you have. I, I want to go and enjoy the spoils of life now. I'm sure this, this young man, be, being the son of a, a rich man, had a lot of friends who, who told him how great he was. And he told them they would always be there for him. And they enjoyed him uh, treating them lavishly. Well, now the son goes out and the father agrees to give it to him. And he says they clucked at everything. This is basically the biblical terms. This son went to the local pawn shop and traded everything he had in and turned it into cash. And when we get from the older son later in these verses that he went out and he went into another country and he spent the money on what? Prostitutes. It's a very ungodly thing this man does. He does not set out to, to set up his own enterprise and to become his own businessman. He sets out and goes and enjoys the worldly things that the world has to offer. And for, for a time in a season, he had, he had fun. And the scriptures declare that sin is pleasurable for a season. But then the wrath of God will come. And he spent his money very unwisely. And what happens? A famine hits the land. And he has no money. And so I want, want you to understand the language that Jesus is using here. The utter shock that both the sinners and the, the Pharisees would have had at this. A Hebrew man, a Jewish man, a man of a very, uh, a descendant of a very rich man, is going into another land, a Gentile, pagan, not a land that is not fearing of God. A land that is not honoring to God. And he goes there and he partakes with their prostitutes. And after he has broken, the famine has come. He needs a job because he has no money. So what does he go? He goes and he finds a pagan man, a Gentile, and he grabs onto him. The, the word in, in the Greek literally has the same connotation as our word for glue. Like he stuck onto him. Understand that the, the Jewish people, especially the Pharisees, would see this as slavery. That this man, this rich man, the the son of a rich man became a slave to a pagan. And not only that, even worse, that the job he was given was that of a shepherd to the pigs, the most unclean animal to the Jewish people. And not only was, was he to feed the pigs, but he wanted to eat with the pigs. I don't know about you, but I've never been that hungry where you look at what pigs eat and be like, yeah, that's looking pretty tasty. I wish the farmer would allow me to partake in that too. No. And he says no one gave him anything. He was literally starving. And so he comes to his senses. Thank God he comes to his senses and he wants to go home. He wants to go back to the Father. Understand that message. That is the message you should get out of this parable. When we, we look at this man, what, what do we see? We see a man that is broken, who is confessing that, that he has sinned before God and his Father. 
And we see a man who is repentant and he is returning to his father. He would rather be a servant to his father than to live like he is now. So many of us, we go about life and we are the prodigal son. We're enjoying life and the way it's going. And we, re we look around and we realize there has got to be something better than this. I am living like a sinner. I have nothing to show for it. Now as he returns to the father, I want you to imagine this, this prodigal son been feeding the pigs. He would have been a very stinky man to say the least. He would not have had a place to shower. He would not have had a change of clothes in, in a long time. And he goes and he returns to the father smelling like the pigs and the slop. And Have you ever been to a pig farm? I've, we've never been to one personally, but we've driven by them and we've seen them at the sandwich fair. I remember driving south and the windows were rolled down and that pig farm smell hit you. You know, it, it says the father saw him afar off. I wonder if if the father smelt him afar off. <laughs> but, but what happens? I want you to understand, for, for the Jewish culture, for the father to run was borderline sinful. Jewish men don't run. Especially older men. It was a sign of disgrace. And so to see this father throw off all society's taboos and say, I don't care, this is my son. And he goes and he runs and grabs him and he hugs him and he kisses him. This is an affectionate father. This is a father who cares deeply for his son. Now many times in life, we, we, we are like the prodigal son and we return back to our earthly fathers and what do we get? Condemnation. How dare you return to me in such a way after you've spent all that I've had. But that is not what we see here. We see a father who is loving, who has an unconditional love for his son. Now, but this story really... It's not just about one prodigal, it's about two. What about the older son here? What happens? With the, with the older son, the, the, he's been working for his father day and night. He's been doing all the things that is expected of him. He will one day take over his father's business. He, he, he has been righteous to his father. He has done everything to please his father. But he gets jealous here. He sees his brother return home, and he sees their best calf being, being slaughtered to make a feast for his, his brother. And I understand rightly so why this brother is mad. When we look at it, he said, what has this man done? He said, sleep with prostitutes that you would give him a feast. The father says to him, your brother was dead, but now he is alive. We should rejoice. Everything that I have will be yours. Who is he talking to in this moment? He's talking to the Pharisees. Jesus is speaking directly at them because they made the law and they boxed it in. They made it so hard to come to God. And he's saying, don't you see? We are to welcome them back in. Welcome them into the family because the Father desires for them to come back home. He desires for us all to come back home. But it's very interesting, this conversation that the, the older son has with his father. And he says, why have you done this? This son of yours who has slept with prostitutes. He won't even call him his brother. This is a, a, a man who is very proud in his Jewish heritage. And he's looking down at all the sinful things that his brother has done. You know, I, I know a lot of times as parents we joke, we watch our kid do something that just boggles the mind. And we go, that's your daughter. <laughs> the son here in not such a compassionate way is saying your son has done this. 
He's inflicting the sin of the son unto his father. You know, he is utterly upset with what is going on here. And we all find ourselves that way sometimes. We'll look out in the world and people are doing sinful things. And they, they come into the church and, and they, they claim to be repentant. And, and we tend to be like that other brother and like, I don't know, they got tattoos and look how they're living in the world. And, you know, I, I don't know if they're truly repentant. Understand, let, let God work on them. We are to welcome them back and to praise God that a sinner has been saved. Not, not to look down on each other, not to look down on others. Because it is so easy to do that. And when we do that, we become the second prodigal. We, we become not the prodigal who is, who's gone away and spoiled everything the family had and coming back pleading for scraps off the table. We become the one that is too proud to even recognize that our brother has been made whole again. A day is coming where as we sing those songs, you know, we desire to go home. We should desire to go home with as many brothers and sisters as we can Amen. so that God is fully glorified. Amen. That's, you know, that's why we send out missionaries. We send out missionaries so they can proclaim the gospel to people who haven't heard it. So those people will believe and repent of their sins and they will worship God and God can be more glorified by more people. Not just have glory from me giving a testimony, but Glory from Brother Darren and glory from the person down the street and from the people across the country and across the world that the whole world would glorify God. We want every knee to bow now willingly. Amen. Not when the wrath falls. For then it will be too late. We desire to, to see brothers and sisters come to Christ. You know, our Father, God, He is one who is self-existent. His love has no beginning because He is eternal. His love can have no end because he is infinite. It has no limit because he is holy. It is the quintessential spotless purity because he is immense. His love is an incomprehensible, vast, bottomless, shoreless sea. When we look at the Father, we should not see one of, of strict judgment. We should see one of love and grace. One that desires to call us home. That's looking for us over the hill seeing if this will be the day we come back home. If this will be the day, as we sung about, we've heard testimonies about, will this be the day that we trust God for everything? I know many of you here, you trust God in all eternity, but you don't trust God to have your car start when you go out in the parking lot. You don't trust God to have the bills paid or food on the table. We have to trust God. Not just in those hard days, but in every day. Yes, we don't know if, if God is going to move the mountains for us this day. But what we do know is that we can trust Him. His ways are good and perfect, always. No one has ever been able to accuse the Father of being evil. Because He is good. Even when things don't go your way. I'd like to share a story from my own life. It happened many years ago. You know, I'm very thankful and I praise God. I've been praying for, for my brothers and sisters of Zimmerleys this week that their family would remain whole. And it has. We praise God for that. I was, I was those kids one point in time. Our family didn't remain whole. I was taken away. I was put in foster home. I lived through that. It was hell. No, no way around it. There was one day when I was an older teenager, I had a crazy dream about my mom who I hadn't seen since I was four years old. All I knew was her name and that she had long hair. And that's what I had in a dream. And so I asked my grandmother about my mom. And so she set up a, a meeting with her. It was only an hour long. 
But I was able to meet with her and, and at least get to know her somewhat for, for my sake. I find out many hours or many years later that that meeting, and someone we'd have for about 10 years, was an answer to prayer for her. She was in a point in life where she was so angry with what happened with me and, and my siblings that she was angry with God and, and started to have doubts whether God was real. And she said, God, if you are real, show me something. Show me some compassion that you love me and that you have loved my children. And that meeting took place. That meeting brought her to her knees, and she accepted Jesus Christ that day. Amen. I had no idea what God would do. You know, you, you may look at it in a situation and say, how horrible for a family to be taken apart. But God used what the devil intended for evil for his good. Amen. And now, whether I may not have the relationship I desire with my mother, I will see her for all eternity. Amen. We have the rest of eternity to make things right. Amen? Amen. We need to trust God. And even when things don't go so well, when he doesn't move those mountains and the waters aren't parted, when it's not dry ground we're walking on, understand that God is in control Amen. and that we are to trust him. Now, I know we look back, we have many. This is a hard day for, for many. You know, I, I, I know who's not here. Many of us do. Many of us, this is the first Father's Day. There will be many more. But understand that God is in control. And that those that have gone on before us are not gone, but through the trusting arms of God Almighty. Amen. Amen. And you today, like, like I open my prayers, you today could cry out, Abba, Father. If you've never had a dad that is worthy to call dad, Maybe you just had one that, that was there with your mom for a little while and gone and you've never seen him again. You have a father in heaven who loves you deeply. He loves you to the point he sent his son to die for you. And he is calling you home this day. He is the father that is looking. He's watched you go out into the world and do what you wanted to do and laugh at his face and take the blessings he's given you and turn them into curses in your own life. But he is looking for you this day. He's waiting for you to come over those hills. And when you come, you will not find a father that is condemning. Mm -hmm. What you will find is a father that is loving, that you could come to, and he will embrace you. Amen. He will kiss you on the neck. He will take his finest clothes. In this parable, we see the robe put around him, a sign of royalty. And he will make a feast. There's a feast coming, amen? amen. amen. We've been reading through Revelation. A point is coming very soon in Revelation where we'll read about a wedding feast. Where all the prodigals get to sit around the, the throne and at the table of the king. You are a prodigal. I am a prodigal. We all are. A prodigal means to live a, a, a luscious or a, a wanting life. But it always, what, what we think is going to end up good, it always turns out to misery. What you think will bring you joy from this world will always return as misery. Why? Because you can only have that joy in God. If you find it in anything else, it is short-lived and temporary. And it will turn to misery. It will turn on you. It's a little trap from the devil. He has plenty of them. But understand that God has no trap. His arms are open wide. And I encourage anyone who does not know the Father this day to come down, as the song is sung, to know the Father, to know His Son, Jesus, to know and trust always. In His name, amen. Pray with me. Abba, Father, Lord Jesus, I give you thanks for this day. I give you praise, Lord God, that, that all that we go through, whether it seemed good or bad to us, Lord, we know you are for us. We will trust in you, Lord God. We will trust you to provide. We will trust you to take care of us, Lord. 
when we've spent and racked up the bills that we can no longer pay back, we know we can run into your arms and you will make it all better. A day is coming where you'll take us all home and we will enjoy the, the feast, the fatted calf, spiritually speaking, in heaven, Lord. We long for that day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In your holy name. Amen.